Welcome to the Rambling Ranger podcast, episode nine. My name is I'm joined here today by two very special guests, Jess Phillips and Crystal Lloyd. Hi. Hey. Um, you might already have got, uh, well, by the title you already know anyway, but um, these two are both uh, American park rangers, which is uh, very exciting indeed. Um, in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, American park rangers, their role, the different types, and um, yeah, just getting to know these two wonderful people. Um, I suppose I reached out to them. Um, they have their po very own podcast, which um, explores um, their own ranger service and um, others in America, which is something that I've been very interested in and uh, we'll talk about later on. But um, yeah, let's just uh, get right into it. Um, if you just don't mind, would you, uh, could you introduce both yourselves? So I'm Ranger Crystal and I have been with North Carolina State Parks um, since I was 16 years old. I started as a seasonal and discovered that um, park rangers in North Carolina State Parks are both law enforcement officers and education rangers. Um, and I get to work outside all day and I was like, this is the best job ever in the whole world. Why is like everyone not doing this? Uh, so I was a seasonal for six summers while I finished up high school and graduated um, from North Carolina State University. Um, and I've been a ranger now for eight and a half years. So. And I'm Ranger Jess. Um, I, took the, I took the long route. I, uh, um, <laughs> so I went to college and then afterwards uh, I decided to kind of vision uh, and uh, I joined military service. I, I chose the Marine Corps. So I served for five years in the United States and prior to that in college, I knew I wanted to do, I thought I wanted to be a wildlife biologist, biologist until I realized that required me to be quiet and I'm very bad at being quiet. I cannot, I can't sit still. So um, I then realized out of this what do I want to do and I, as a kid growing up my mom uh, had taken us all out to national parks and I'd met you know we all met park rangers you know they're giving education programs and they were like my superheroes they knew everything I wanted to know and things I didn't think I wanted to know so um, during my service I started thinking well that's you know that's kind of where I want to go so I got out of the Marine Corps and Surprisingly, it was hard for them to figure out that a Marine would be a <laughs> park ranger. So it took me knocking on quite a few doors, it took me about two years, and then I got hired on as a park ranger up at Car Lake. And the rest is history, folks. <laughs> I think we, um, apologies, folks, for listening. I think we've got a bit of a connection. Uh, well, we're calling from overseas, but we'll, we'll keep going with it anyway, and we'll see how um, things turn out. Um, yeah, no, I, after hearing both your stories on your own podcast, it was um, even just that process of how you got into rangering, just between yourselves, is very interesting. Obviously, with yourself, um, Jess, you went from, gosh, like the Marines right into then um, becoming a countryside ranger, which is... Um, yeah, similar things with, uh, obviously, as you'll come on to talk about with your, your kind of the slightly different roles that you've got in America than us in the UK. But um, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting stuff. And I feel like we'll, we'll hear a lot more of that. Of There's a lot of rangers, it's normally the case where they change professions. It's not a job you, you, you normally go straight right into. Um, speaking about that then, is there an appetite for becoming a ranger in the US? Um, and what are, I suppose, the main ways of becoming one? 
Um, uh, so I, I think um, all of us, if we had a dollar for every time someone was like, oh, you have the best job. I've always wanted to be a park ranger. Like we'd have a little pile of money because um, <laughs> I can't go through like one week without at least one person telling me like, oh, you have the best job. I've always wanted to be a park ranger. And I'm always like, well, good news. Like we're hiring. You still can. Um, because people see the romanticized, like, oh, like, you just be, must be out in the woods all day, like, just, you know, skipping through the woods with the deer and nature and stuff. Um, so I think we have a, um, a romanticized view of what it, it is to be a park ranger. And I'm just like, no, like, I'm cleaning toilets. And like, I have to deal with people that are angry. And I'm picking up the trash on the side of the road. Um, and there is some skipping in the woods sometimes. Um, so there, there is that, but um, we just have different, across the whole country, there's so many types of park rangers. Mm. Um, we're multi-specialists here in North Carolina so that we do all of the things. We're educators, we're law enforcement officers, we're wildland firefighters, you know, we're customer service experts. Um, we're, we're doing all of the operations and all of the things to make the park run as well as we have a full maintenance staff um, to pick up the heavier load of that stuff. Of course. Um, and your city and county parks, they're gonna be more education rangers. Um, so they're gonna be doing more programs and offering a, a wider variety of those. Um, our national parks are split. We have education rangers and law enforcement rangers. Um, so that's kind of just like a brief overview of all the different types um, of park rangers that we have. Of course, yeah, no, there's, there's quite a few, and I know you's again, you've highlighted that on your, your own podcast, but um, I suppose it's also quite different too here, where, our, as you said, our jobs vary and uh, entail quite a lot of different things that you'd expect to be, I don't know, almost an individual job. Like, uh, But with yous, it's quite different because yous are actually, I suppose, accredited and trained in those kind of multi-specialized roles. So you kind of touched upon um, there, you are kind of trained as teachers, I believe. So you, um, you are actually, so how does that kind of training side of it work? Like who, who, who puts that on you to get trained to then obviously do that part of your job? Is that, is it, is there an overall kind of system that does that for Rangers or is it just um, up to your state park or whoever employs you? Um, so uh, we have a, what it used to be, Ely, or not Ely, it was, um, what was the, Crystal, what uh, was the? North Carolina Environmental Education Department is who we, we solely went through, um, but that's yeah. changed now. And so now we, and so what you would do is you could either achieve it before being hired, because um, people want to call civilians. Um, the <laughs> So anybody could take this and get certified as an uh, environmental educator and have this certification. And it was recognized by, by North Carolina State Parks. <clears throat> and so that, and if you didn't, then once you were hired on and once you got through uh, BLET, then you would go to the training and um, you'd have two years to complete everything and become certified. So now we've gone to uh, another... What, we're moving to the um, NIA um, CIG, so Certified Interpretive Guide um, program. It's national, so we'll be, right. um, 
we'll be on the same legs as the National Park Rangers because I think they've been using that for longer than we have. So we're switching over to that. So we'll be kind of more in line with the standards um, mm. across the country. So um, all of our um, new hires are going through that class and then they have classes in the fall for us older people um, so that we can um, get that certification um, if we want. So. Um, and we're still doing the North Carolina environmental education certification um, if it interests the new people. Right. Um, which is really, it's a really great way to see North Carolina. I'm over here trying to sell uh, the state of North Carolina to your listeners. Um, <laughs> North Carolina is great because we have, um, we have the mountains. Um, Jess and I are here in the Piedmont and then we have the coast. So we've got the mountains, the beach, we've got everything you could want. It's a great place to visit. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, no, that's really interesting as well that, um, that there is that, I suppose, for the national park. So that, there's a bit of a difference there already between obviously yourselves, state park and national parks, which just myself don't know anything about. Um, and obviously you've got the other sides to those rules as well. So do you, do you want to talk a little bit, I suppose, about the law enforcement? Because that is the, I suppose, the main one that stands out from, I suppose, us in the UK um, until a lot of rangers say in Europe as well. Um, so all North Carolina state park rangers are law enforcement officers. So what that means is <clears throat> once you get hired on and you accept the terms of all, you know, um, of all the things that you would have to do, and they very much emphasize, are you willing to accept that you'll be a law enforcement officer? So once you're hired on, you have a couple months of getting acclimated to the park, and then they'll send you off to the next semester course of BLET, or basic law enforcement training, which is for all law enforcement officers throughout North Carolina. It's the same standards that they all um, learn by and um, uh, and live by. So it's a semester course at a community college and you cover all the um, all the basics of law enforcement training. At the end of it you have to take a state exam and once you pass that then you go back to your agency and continue working at your park and then they, they swear you in um, and you right. become a law enforcement officer. So all the laws and all the things, it's not just like, I think what we're called like squirrel cops or bikini <laughs> cops, depending what uh, park we're at. Um, it's not just like um, wildlife regu uh, regulations, uh, violations or anything like that. Mm. Or like if you don't have a fishing license, it's all the things. So some of the um, things that I don't think people tend to think about that happen in parks, especially places with overnight facilities is we still have domestics. like. They don't leave their problems at the gate. We would love for that to happen, but it does not. So, um, so we have, you know, as serious as domestic situations and we have as, you know, minor as parking situations where people are parking that prevent them, you know, their own help from getting to them because they've parked halfway or in front of a gate. So, and all the things in between dogs off leash is my, you know, I will always say that is my like um, Achilles heel of just uh, bad community practice. Um, that I have to most often deal with uh, working at a park that is primarily day use. So everybody is um, coming out just for day use. And of course they want to bring their pets. I mean, I do too. So <clears throat> we do all the things. We don't see the quantity um, that law enforcement officers outside of us see, because obviously that's all they're getting called to is, uh, is those situations. Whereas we have a complete um, 
it's almost like we're in our own little town and we've got to do everything. We've got to do the construction. We've got to do the um, wildlife management. We've got to do the law enforcement, the customer service, the cleaning and plunging of the toilets, um, <laughs> you know, helping maintenance. Um, and maintenance is a lot of the, the cleaning and the, uh, the backbone construction of the park. But, you know, we do that as well. I mean, that's what I was doing yesterday was um, I was being a carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, jack of all trades as we find ourselves. And I mean, many of the listeners and rangers um, know as it's been one of the, for a lot of people that don't know what other ranger services do across the, role, uh, across the world, it's, it's funny how there's those same similarities with day-to-day kind of needs, be that cleaning out toilets, picking up litter, car park management, no matter how well you're trained or even how well I suppose you're recognized within obviously yourselves, law enforcement and everything else, you're still doing all the other stuff that needs done as well. Um, what's your relationship like then with other, I suppose, emergency services and as blue light services as we like to call it um i know obviously the first time that we spoke jess um, a couple of weeks ago there's you kind of talked through how you do obviously seek help in many regards with um like some other police officers if there's any issues out with i suppose your domain um do you want to do you want to kind of talk about that i suppose um i think i think it depends on the the park um hmm. so uh, meaning like how close are you to a fellow, you know, backup, just like <clears throat> law enforcement has on the outside, hopefully has quick backup, but we may not necessarily. And so maybe some of the reservoirs might have uh, quicker access to backup <clears throat> um, and they have more personnel at the park. So that park rangers at the park. So that might help as well. Um, the reason I would reach out again, like we talked about is, you know, some things I'm not, I don't have to deal with on a we have very short roads very few roads in the park so i don't have a whole lot of experience with dwis so of course i'm going to call in um you know somebody who's got more experience because i want it to be as successful experience as possible um and i also um and and then the other thing is is that i might not have access you know to anybody right away so uh, the other a couple of weeks ago, I had a, an incident with a homeless gentleman who um, they got into a fist fight outside of it. And I had, I was the only one there. And I just, you know, I called for my own backup, but I also st- told them just call 911. Like, cause however long it takes you to get there, maybe there's somebody closer. Hmm. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having issues at this point, you know, point, cause he was fine once I, you know, he was um, very easy um, to, place under arrest but then um he he soon became very um agitated and i mean like you know i mean everybody knows people who are intoxicated one minute they're totally fine and then the next minute they're highly agitated and um so i was just needing a little bit of assistance and um to make sure that you know both of our his safety and my safety were taken care of so um yeah i have no i have no ego and i have about it like if if whoever can get there first is who I want, you know, yeah. um, they have the same training I do. And so I would welcome their help. I, well, Crystal, yeah. Crystal, do you want to? You got it. Um, My next question <clears throat> might uh, add into that actually is, uh, I feel like we talked about this as well um, previously, Jess, where do you feel like you use, even although you're trained in many of these things, do you think you're 
properly equipped and given the right training when asked or required in many of these areas because as I said our scope is so large um, it's, it'd be interesting to hear because I know a lot of us uh, in the UK and Scotland especially feel like a lot of our jobs and stuff that we, we are undertrained as rangers and a lot of the things that we do do so I suppose what, what's your thoughts on that? I feel like we are pretty all right at a lot of things and maybe not great at all of them um, no. <laughs> is maybe a good way to put it. Um, I have to say our agency, um, every year for our annual law enforcement training, our agency does give us more information and more um, topics covered and more hands-on stuff than a lot of the other local um, law enforcement agencies. Um, so that that's a positive. Um, we also have the ability to go to as much training as we want, you know, depending on staff coverage and what's going on in the park. So the availability is there if you're choosing to take advantage of it. Um, there's not a like a mandatory, you will go to this many extra trainings a year. Hmm. Um, it's just there and you have to have that want and need to be a better ranger and, you know, be better at all of the things that we do as much as um, we can make that happen. Of course, yeah. I just think that overall, I don't think it's um, it's most important for all law enforcement, but I think worldwide, I think one thing that we very much need improvement on is just, you know, communication and um, how to appropriately deal with um, your emotions in an adult way. And then how you, and, and for law enforcement, that translates into, it would be wonderful if everyone was provided and allowed more intense training um because luke and i i think i've discussed this with you like i'm sure hostage negotiators have a lot of training <laughs> on yeah. how to communicate and how to de-escalate hmm. but i think everyday law enforcement you know this is my opinion i think everyday law enforcement officers <clears throat> and i i personally would love it to have more training on how you know when somebody because that's when we're called is that we're called when everything has hit the fan and now we're trying to solve um you know when it comes to domestics like we're trying to help solve a 20-year relationship problem you know I, I have problems dealing with my own five-year you know uh <laughs> marriage issues so now you're asking me to, to help deal with that and i need the skill set you know i experience has given me some part of that you know what works and what doesn't but i don't really want my experience you know i'd like some of it to be from training too and not me just quote practicing on the public like i would like to know how to best be the you know a greatest salesman like you've met um really good car salesmen we always use the car sales you know they could sell sell you anything and i would like to be that person that can uh most effectively communicate when i'm put in a very high stress situation so that it is, you know, it creates a, the best environment for a safe resolution for everybody. Yeah, no, I think it's it's that universal. I mean, as you've kind of you highlighted there, it's a lot of training. As even with yourselves being in America, a lot of our training is and the experiences we have is all through that experience and how long you've been a ranger for, rather than potentially that that training that's provided to you. Uh, but the any training that is provider and additional support in those those situations or in those specific areas is is really valuable because you might end up in those situations and not be I suppose properly equipped. And I think it's it's always something that's on the back of, of the mind certainly in recent times uh, with rangers here of 
um, not being properly equipped for a lot of the jobs that they're doing or tasks. And I suppose we got onto, we've talked obviously a lot about the law enforcement side of it, but it's, it's I suppose, a unique part of what you have and we don't. What's the breakup then of your job? What's, what do you find yourself, I suppose, doing more of? Or is there specific things that you're doing more of, say, in a state park than you would be doing in a, in a national park? Um, so it's even in North Carolina State Parks, it varies. So I'm at a recreation area. So people are just coming to have as much fun as they possibly can <laughs> in a small amount of time. Um, so right now it's our busy season um, and I'm doing park operations all day long. Um, like as soon as I leave here, I've got to go back and start working the campground. Um, so that's my day is park operations making sure my staff have what they need to be successful that day um, dealing with um, issues that the campers might have um, and then helping on the other side of the lake where people just come to like put their boat in or to to swim or to fish or stuff like that so just running around trying to make sure everybody that's here is having a good positive experience uh, in the winter it's a little bit different. We actually get to um, do projects, you know, mark boundary, right. hmm. um, revamp campsites, the the more maybe fun stuff that like <laughs> the reason that you got into this job because you know we didn't get in this job to like yell at people all day long um, or to tell grown adult adults to like <laughs> do this thing that they know they need to be doing. Um, so that's my experience, and and Jess can speak to her experience at Umstead because she's at an actual state park as opposed to a recreation area. Of course, yeah. Um. So yeah, I agree. Um. Because I was at Car Lake before that, so yeah, we deal, and I, I feel for Crystal right now. Um. <laughs> there's a lot more park operations, customer service, people, you know, people management. Um. During your every day to day. Um, and usually for us at this time, it's still not as much. So I would say, and correct, like you're saying, yours is pretty much 90% of your day. Yeah. Right, Crystal? Yes. And I, I would, and I would say here at the park, even when all of our facilities are open. So right now, because of COVID, we um, don't have some of our facilities like camping open because uh, the bathroom doesn't have, it's, well, I mean, it's like an 80 slasher film. It really needs some, <laughs> an upgrade um, it, it, because it doesn't have good uh, air filtration system. I don't think it has an air filtration system. So um, we have not been able to, I don't mean to diverge, but we don't, we can't open it because of that. So hmm. the stuff that wouldn't uh, normally during this time of year um, take me off into more of a people management um, situation and customer service. So I would say in the summertime, our high time as well. Um, we, probably in the summers we go more 60% people manage 40. So now that's kind of flipped with me. Uh, I get the 60% to still kind of do one of my projects. Um, so that's kind of what I've been doing is that I still spend, you know, between 40, you know, 40 to 50% of the time. And it's only really 60% because it just looks like an eyesore if I cannot get this project done. I don't want the public coming down and seeing just the nightmare that's going on down <laughs> by the lake that I'm dealing with um, for this project. So, um, but as far as the operations goes, I am still addressing, um, you know, customers issues and complaints like yesterday. Um, well, I've been going down on trails and keeping an eye on the population because I've heard of course complaints about dogs off leash. So I'll go mm. down on a little 
cutthroughs to um, kind of hide out. And honestly, it's just me hanging out in the woods and being like, <gasps> <gasps> like, <laughs> you know, That's getting some uh, free time for a moment. Exactly. And, um, and if I do see um, uh, people, I'll, you know, I'll chit chat with them, but it's also funny. Like you can stay 10 feet off the, the trail and I'm just standing there. I'm not trying to like <laughs> hide behind a tree. And the, and it makes me aware that what, how unobservant we all are. Like, even when I'm running, I realize I never like really look off into the woods and there's so many people that won't see me. Yeah. Anyways, I go, I diverge. <laughs> so I'll go, I'll go do that. Or like yesterday I got a couple calls. Um, I had to, uh, dispatch wildlife yesterday, which was not fun. And, um, I had another complaint about an aggressive dog off leash. So I was kind of in the middle of that as well. So um, there is still quite a bit of people management, especially in a park that is all day use. So on some level, you, you, it's still a very heavy component. But again, like she said, winners, because there's less people coming to the park, then allow for you to um, have those opportunities to have those projects that you're like, I got to get this done. It's just mine is taking so much longer. It should have been done like weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> What's the, you've obviously described then your split, which is again, a really interesting take, because I feel like nowadays we're because of our lack of staff uh, lack of rangers uh, sorry in scotland we feel like a lot of our job is taking up with more one thing than another and a lot of that is due to staff pressures what's the i suppose staffing situation like with yourself said in regards to full time and seasonals etc how has it been frequent over the years it's interesting to know about that um, so at each park, you have ranger staff, maintenance staff, um, and seasonal staff. Um, once again, I'm at a recreation area, so we're like a totally different mm. um, uh, game. So we've got 12 rangers and two superintendents here. We've got about 20 full-time maintenance staff, and then we have about 40 seasonals that we hire on in the spring um, to get us through the busy season. So we're there's just a lot of people here <laughs> um, because we have, you know, we have over a million visitors a year. So we have to, we've got seven parks and so we've got to be fully staffed. Um, I can hear the so gasps of a lot of the listeners there. Uh, 40 seasonals. <laughs> what's the, yeah. So what's the land coverage like then for yourselves for recreational sites? Is it quite a lot? Uh, it is here. We, like I said, we've got seven parks. Um, we don't have jurisdiction on the actual, we're a lake. We don't have the jurisdiction on the lake, but we have our seven parks around the lake. Um, and we charge an entry fee um, in the, the summer season. So we've got right. seasonals in there. We've got maintenance seasonals and we've got um, ranger seasonals that help us um, like do programs and do a little bit extra mm. stuff. So that's my experience. And Jess is uh, totally a little different. <laughs> It's good to have the perspective of uh, both. Yeah, so yeah, the perspective is is that we have she's got what when they're when they're fully staffed, twelve rangers. Right. And how many how many you said how much maintenance did you say, dude? Uh, about twenty. All right, so twenty permanent. If we we're have, full if we're fully staffed, yeah. Yeah, we have six when we're fully staffed, six rangers, one superintendent, and four permanent maintenance, and then like uh, you know, between eight and 12, uh, seasonals. Um, and that, you know, part of that is she, you know, she described some of the things that you, you definitely need help with. Like we don't yeah. charge an entrance fee because, um, overall NC state parks is funded by the taxpayers. So each taxpayer, I was uh, listening, I think Tom Earnhardt, who does PBS specials, 
he figured it out at about like a $3 per taxpayer in North Carolina for all of North Carolina state parks. The, they charge an entrance fee during the summer for the um, reservoirs. It was my understanding because just the extra facilities, like the yeah. boat ramps, the stuff that takes extra money to facilitate an operational park. So the three reservoirs charge to um, get into the park during summer peak season, but we do not. So we don't have that aspect of having somebody who has to take payment for people coming in and we don't have like seven different parks where, you know, centrally one 6,000 square acre park. So that helps as well. Yeah. And do you feel that's enough staff uh, to, to do all the things? Um, no. You know, yeah, I think, I think, no. I think maintenance and, oh, and don't, you know, don't forget we have OAs too. So I have two OAs yeah. and how many? which are we office have, assistants yeah right. we have two office assistants as well here when when we have them fully staffed yeah exactly <laughs> when and we're all we keep saying that because we're both down quite a number of people in very you know whether it's yeah. rangers superintendents always um it, it it i think it's just bare sometimes it's just barely enough like it's weird because we could definitely use i think both of us would agree more park rangers like they're just you know when i'm just the example the other week um there was only a couple of us on like actually we were all on and i still was you know nobody was with me at the time where it would be helpful like it, it, you know it would be helpful to have another ranger on uh especially i will i would say some of the smaller parks would be jumping up and down and saying absolutely just I'm, like i'm sure you guys say like absolutely we we need more <laughs> rangers we need more maintenance because things are inevitably you know a lot of our in our structure within all of our parks i'm sure you guys uh, especially because you said you worked uh, at a historical site so things are like mm. always on the on the i'm about to crumble end of needing to be fixed <laughs> and so you're always kind of chasing your tail to try to fix these things and that would always be beneficial you know if we had the funds to employ more people we could you, you feel like you could add, actually catch up um, and as far as ranger staff, you know, we could have more people on addressing some of the issues that um, need to be addressed when it comes to, you know, uh, being serviced to the public. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Every year our yeah. visitation is increasing. So every year we're having record visitation, yeah. um, but our staffing isn't matching that. So we're way behind. Yeah. It's, you tend to find that, don't you? But I know that's... Um, that's, that's really interesting and that kind of touches then on what are your vision well how do you envision I suppose your recreational site and state park site um going forward and I suppose just the general future of rangers I know <laughs> it's, it's quite a large question but in America just in general with uh, I suppose the current climate and then um obviously climate change and everything else what what do you, do you think there's going to be a demand do you think there's going to be jobs or yeah just what's your general thoughts on that i feel oh, um i feel like we're gonna need more natural resource minded folks um going forward to help with the issue of climate change um because it we're already seeing the impacts here in north carolina from it um the park that i work at um like i said i, I started working here when i was 16 um and in the five years that I worked here, like we maybe had dramatic flooding a handful of times. Um, since I've been back here the last five years, we're having dramatic flooding like every other month um, to the point where like our campsites are underwater, our boat ramps are underwater, our shelters are underwater. Like 
like flooding that's devastating our facility. Um, so we just are gonna um, need people to, um, you know, learn about the environment and learn the little things that they can do to help and just to care about it if um, moving forward that we can try and rectify the situation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, as I said, it's, it's, it's inevitable these things are going to happen and how we plan it, I think, is really important. Um, any thoughts yourself, Jess? Uh, I think she, uh, you know, I think she summed it up greatly. Um, and how, you know, what, what state parks look going forward. Uh, I, I will say that I think we're um, lucky enough that we have um, a general public that's still interested in us uh, um, acquiring land. We just purchased another um, North Carolina State Park, Pisgah, was it Pisgah View? Um, so that helps too, you know, if we have state park land, um, not only is it then another place for people to recreate and enjoy the outdoors, but it's also, you know, a place that can't be uh, deforested or mm. used as it, it, like, you know, a place for drilling or mining or quarry. It's, it's got um, protection. Yeah. So it, it is for the, you know, preservation and protection. Um, so that is something that I feel like our general public is wonderful with is that they're still interested in, um, being supportive, you know, financially through their tax dollars with us um, having more state parks, which is for the public, but also, you know, for the immediate use, but also it's good for long-term um, preservation, conservation in, in the environment. Yeah, and of course, doing, I suppose, your part um, coming into now the podcasting stuff. Um, I think I've been following you guys. It's one of the reasons I reached out. You've got your very own podcast and um, you are very active on social media um, and sharing what you guys do as within the parks and the role of a ranger. Um, I suppose what inspired both of you to start your podcast and uh, yeah, what's the journey been like so far? Because I know you have been, um, you have been at it for almost three years now, hasn't it been? Yeah, so um, we started the podcast because <clears throat> um, both of us, you know, have given programs to public schools. Like we do, we'll we'll advertise for programs for just the general public to come into, and we'll also have outreach where um, public schools will come on their field trips, public or private, or you know, just schools in general can come out and get a program. And we both experienced. Uh, and I'm sure maybe if you give programs, you kind of ask the same thing. How many people have ever been to this park? How many? Um, and for something that's not a historical site, which might have its own external draw, just a, you know, a local park, it's, it was really kind of disheartening how many kids would just, you know, maybe one or two. And I, and you know that these, and the thing is, is that you knew that these parks are, these groups were from local communities. So what was, prohibiting them from getting to us was it um like financial means like they couldn't afford and and even though i'm free it still requires a parent or guardian who doesn't have to work who has that free time and who you know can afford the gas money and whatever so was it um was it a financial reason that you couldn't get to me um or us or was it like a, a, a an interest so if you're if your family unit doesn't really have an interest or doesn't really know um, or is scared of the outdoors. You know, I've had plenty of times people calling about camping and asking if we have wildlife. So if there's a, um, a fear of it, so how do, you know, these are all barriers. How can you get through those barriers? 
and Crystal had, uh, was really, I had met her and she was uh, really into this thing called podcasting and I'm like 40. <laughs> I had not heard of it. And I noticed on the, uh, the old people's social media called Facebook that everybody started asking instead of like, what's your summer rating list? It was, what's your podcast rating list? And I'm like, what is this madness? So I began looking it up and Crystal had given me some of her like favorite podcasts and I, and I quickly realized it was free. Like it was, it was not just free to the public to access, which is hugely important because that's part of our mission statement is to provide free environmental education, but it was free to produce. And Lord knows, y'all know that you, if, if you want to do something new, you got to figure out how to fund it. And if it's free, that's perfect. So I um, proposed how to, I, I, you know, I, um, I proposed to the division, this is what I want to do. Um, I tried to do a solo one and it sounded awful. Um, so I was like, wow, what would make this better? And I had, um, and where had, I had met Crystal, um, cause we don't know there's, you know, we don't know all the rangers in North Carolina state parks, but I had met Crystal on a, um, wildlife fire at Chimney Rock and she just had such a great personality. I was like, I wonder if she'd be willing since she knew about this podcasting anyways. And she totally jumped on board and you know, she's the, she's the, brains and and muscle behind our instagram so you know um we just work so well together um i'm loud and and in your face and she's you know she's very thoughtful and and she thinks so between the two of us you know i think we're a good balancing act you certainly are no it's it's um i've been as i said really enjoying the listening to the podcast and also i think the instagram's great and it's it's all about, you mentioned it there, it's, it's about kind of promoting what we do and the reaching out to those, finding the barriers first of or people aren't interacting with their recreational sites. And then um, once you find those barriers and you've managed to break them, actually providing those free services that are able to educate them and get them, um, get them to those, encourage them out into those recreational sites. But um, I don't know, is there anything you'd like to add to that? Um, crystal being the the mastermind <laughs> that's too much um, <laughs> no i'm just excited that um you know jess asked me on this journey and like selfishly we've got to go to some really great places and meet some fantastic people and network and you know it's just um we got to feed an elephant like i don't know it's just like, <laughs> it's just kind of cool the stuff that we get to do when we're like hey do you want to do a podcast so that's kind of cool. No, that's 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 brilliant. Um, I suppose just wrapping things up, then we'll mention the podcast and obviously where people can find you at the end. But um, is there anything that you'd just like to say in general to our UK listeners out there? Yeah, um, I realized because I I just don't have a straight train of thought that I never connected the fact that you know and I, and you did perfectly tie it to the fact that it was something that was free and free to the public, so it was a way to connect with the public, which is why we wanted to do the podcast. Um, but yeah, if there's any uh, rangers out there in Scotland, like Luke, who wants to talk to us, we are absolutely open to it. Um, you know, maybe we can convince our, our division to send us overseas so we can actually see these places in person and see the people in person, uh, the rangers out there, because that's, that's probably one of my favorite parts. I'm not going to deny that feeding an elephant wasn't wasn't the bees knees, but <laughs> I love it was like, it seriously was, but, um, you know, meeting the other Rangers around the world and just, uh, getting to engage and talk to them and find out, you know, some of the things that are different from 
in their experiences to ours, but then realizing how much, like in our California conference, how much was actually all the same problems is mm, yeah. one ranger is fairly consistent throughout, you know, the, the un feeling of understaffed and, you know, just little stuff that you're just like, oh, it's universal. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of the, the main things having started at a similar age to yourself, Crystal, um, being a ranger and just that's all I've known for the last two years. It's, it's, uh, it's making those connections and I think it's a really powerful and important thing that I think a lot of rangers locally forget that there is other rangers out there, be that even just local neighbours to the rest of the country to then obviously internationally like we're doing now. And it's thankfully through organisations so ours as SCRA, we were able to be a part of the International Rangers Federation and have a chance to have contacts with all these other rangers that are out there and it's amazing how many just even talking to yourselves how many of the same problems and things that we get up to even although our jobs might be slightly different say for example wildlife rangers in africa and all that um i can't let you say without you explaining this elephant story because you've got everyone interested now you're gonna do it uh well i mean i I'll just give the intro as far as you're in luck, because guess what? That's going to be in our July series as the NC Zoo. So, uh, but I'll let Crystal describe uh, the the elephant because he was he was just so he, he was so beautiful. Yeah. So um, perfect. <laughs> Jess and I uh, are interested in these podcasts as well, and who we want to interview. And Jess is like, "Hey, what do you think if we try to go to the North Carolina Zoo and interview the zookeepers?" <laughs> Like, yes, we might get to see some animals. Um, and so we interviewed four or five keepers that day. And um, then they were like, hey, do you want to go do some, you know, behind the scenes stuff? And we're like, yes. Uh, and then they brought us around and there was just like elephants. And they're like, do you want to feed them? And like, who says no to that? Um, yeah. So we just got to feed the elephant like sweet potatoes and just kind of hang out with them. And we got to see a baby um, rhino that had just been born. Like it was great. That's, that's, fun. that's just brilliant. Yeah. I, um, it's amazing. Well, you, you've, I suppose you've, you brought the podcast on a huge amount over the last three years and even just, um, even just seeing the progression and the, the podcast episodes that you've, you've been doing um, things like that. There's, there's no reason why not to. And yeah, I, I certainly, I look forward to it. Uh, listening to that episode specifically yeah. um yeah because yeah. we feel like um all oh sorry no. that, um, we <laughs> just feel like it doesn't have to be specifically our parks first of all nc zoo is actually part of our department our larger department which is natural and cultural resources which includes museums and zoos so that was like oh but we're all you know we're all in the same department but the other <laughs> part is because we've done uh, Bureau of Land Management, we've done you know we've done a couple of other we've done people who um do camps um, in, in, you know, in our parks. So any person that is part of the, you know, environmental education movement and what, you know, or preservation conservation, we, we want to talk to because as much as we realize that we love our job, not all, you know, not all kids are going to be like, yeah, I want to be a park ranger. They might not like the law enforcement. They may not like the toilet plunging, but like there is other jobs out there that include, like we did a paleontologist, like, so there are other outdoor jobs and jobs that help educate, preserve, conserve. And we want to make sure we're highlighting them so that kids know, I don't have, you know, it, well, park rangering is the only way to do it. Like there's other ways to be part of protecting this earth than just being a park ranger. 
I think that's a really important and beautiful thing. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. Um, well, where can people then find out about your wonderful podcast and your social media uh, platform? Um, so for Instagram, just search for Ask a Ranger, um, and it should pop up. It's a little um, cartoon, uh, Jess and uh, me, and it says <laughs> Ask a Ranger. Um, and then for the podcast, just wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for Ask a Ranger, and it should be there. So. Brilliant. Yeah, well, thank you very much for both um, agreeing to talk to me, and I, I look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, hopefully we can get over there. <laughs> we'll yeah. see what uh we'll see what arms we can pull <laughs> yes. thank you very much both bye see you later